Our text this morning comes to us from Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Listen now for a word from God. Moses said to the Lord, See, you've said to me, bring up this people, but you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now if I found favor in your sight, O God, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. God said, My presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. And Moses said to God, If your presence will not go, don't carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way, we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing that you've asked, for you found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, show me your glory, I pray. And God said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, God said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And then God continued, See, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for today. Thank you for our boiler system, which continues to tick and clink (laughs) during the reading of your word. God, thank you for heat. Thank you for this time. God, I pray that whatever word we would hear this morning would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so if you hear that knocking and you hear that clinking, just know everything's okay. I, I think Derek, everything's okay. I'm getting a thumbs up that everything is okay. Uh, It's just the heat coming on and these old pipes knocking, so do not be alarmed. Um, I used to uh, I used to wet the bed, and um, it was really hard. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you did wet the bed. Okay, so don't you know? Don't panic. I used to wet the bed, and, and uh, it kind of created this dynamic in my life where you kind of try to find workarounds for it. Because, like I, and I went to doctors. I tried to take medicine, and finally a doctor just said, hey, th- this is just something that happens. Sometimes you just wet the bed. And, um, but I, I tried to create these workarounds. So if I was going to spend the night at someone's house, I would like not drink water like the whole day. You know, I would just <laughs> like dehydrate myself. Or sometimes I would just stay up all night so that I didn't have an accident. And w- once I realized that, that wasn't very sustainable, uh, I, th- I tried praying. And the prayers started with, you know, sort of like very simple, like, God, please, please don't let me wet the bed tonight. Please. 
and you know, sometimes that would work, sometimes that wouldn't work. And as I got older, I started to, you know, I, I got a little bit more creative, a little more clever, and I would say things like, all right, God, going to spend a night at my friend's house. If you would keep me dry all night, don't let me have an accident. God, I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning, and I'm not going to give my mother any grief about it at all, and in fact, I'm going to suggest to my mom that we go to Sunday school. <laughs> God, just keep me dry. And you know, some, sometimes that would work, and, and sometimes that wouldn't. When I started going to church camp, you know, it got, it got really bad because it's like it's a whole week. It's a lot of nights. And so I would say to God things like, God, if you can keep me dry every single night of this church camp week, I'm going to know that you're real. I'm going to know that you're with me. And God, if you want me to be a pastor later in Detroit, I'm going to do that. <laughs> God, if you want to be a missionary, I'll go do that. God, I will do whatever. Just keep me dry. I don't kind of bargain with God like this. And I would say these things, and I, I would do anything, and, you know, sometimes that would work, and sometimes it wouldn't. I don't want to suggest that we've all bargained with God in this way. I don't know what your relationship is with God. I think... Some of my own bargaining is a byproduct of how I was raised in the church and what I was taught to believe. But I think at some point or another, we have all kind of said to God, I mean, even if it's just like the lottery thing, right? God, if I win the lottery, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to give back to my community. I'm going to give back to the church. I'm going to give to my family. I'm going to do these. We, we think in these ways. And whether we're bargaining with ourselves or we're bargaining with God, we're often wishing and hoping for something. And we're hoping so much, we're actually willing to give something of ourselves for it. Whether we're just trying to have a dry night in our bed so that we're not embarrassed and ashamed and picked on, you know. It was hard having red hair, glasses, and I had braces. And on top of that, wetting the bed, it was like I, I almost couldn't do it. I'm, I'm willing to do anything to not undergo that kind of shame. And whether you're running from that or you're, you're chasing something else, I think all of us at one point or another have asked God for something that we want, something we deeply desire. You know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. And by work, I mean sometimes we get what we want. Sometimes we don't. Moses is having kind of a tough time in our text for today. He, um, if you remember from last week, I don't know if you all watched it online or not, but Pastor Sarah preached on uh, the, the time the Israelites created the golden calf. So the, the story goes, you know, Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai, and he's going to speak with God. And we're told in Scripture that, you know, God and Moses used to speak like one human used to speak to another human. They're buds. They're just talking. And M Moses goes up on top of the mountain, and, and while he's on top of the mountain, he and God, they're, they're working things out. They're actually working on, you know, the Ten Commandments, and, and, and Moses is going to receive these, and he's supposed to carry them down and, and give them to the people. 
But while he's up there, you remember from Pastor Sarah's sermon, the people grow impatient. They get a little nervous. They get a little anxious. They've got this kind of eternal insecurity, I want to call it, that I think all of us have. And they want an assurance of their fate. They want an assurance of what's going to happen next, God. They want an assurance of, I don't know what's next, but I need to know I'm safe. I need to know that there's somewhere to go. I need to know that there's a kind of home. And they want that. And now that Moses has been gone for so long, and, and, and they don't know if he's coming back, maybe he just abandoned them. Maybe God abandoned them as well. If Moses is gone, I guess God must be gone too. In that panic, in that need for a kind of assurance, they cast this golden calf and they start to worship it. Now, a lot of times we look at this calf and we say, wow, they're, they're worshiping another god, they're worshiping a false idol. Actually, they're still worshiping the same god. I read about this this week. They're still worshiping the same god, but they're so insecure in that moment that they, they need something to look at. They're, they want something physical. They want that reminder. And so it's still Yahweh to them. It's still the Lord. It's still God. But they want the image of it. They want the security of the presence among them. Well, God catches wind of this while, you know, he's on the mountain with Moses, and Moses comes down. He's got the two tablets, and the first thing Moses does, he breaks the tablets on these stones, and he kind of freaks out on the people. He gets really upset. In fact, he, he gets so upset, he starts punishing them. And this is maybe one of my favorite slash least favorite details from the Bible. He melts down the golden calf that they had created into molten gold, liquid gold, and he makes them drink it. He quite literally makes them drink their sins. He's, pre he's pretty angry. And God's pretty angry. And so there's all this turmoil, and the, and the people are upset, and Moses is upset, and, and the Ten Commandments have been broken, and all of these relationships are fractured, and no one really knows what to do, and then God kind of delivers what feels like a final judgment. And he says to the people, he says, I'm done with you. You're not going to have my direct presence anymore because you didn't trust me when Moses came up on the mountain and, and you didn't trust me when we were leaving Egypt and I'm, I'm done with all of this. And he says to the people, you no longer get my direct presence. I can be your God. You can pray to me. You can, you can have your rituals to me, but I'm no longer leading you by day in a pillar of fire and I'm no longer leading you by night in this giant cloud of smoke. I may have reversed those two. I'm not with you anymore. We're done. And this causes more weeping and gnashing of teeth. Moses, I think, is pretty upset as well. And he probably has his own reasons. You know, he, di he didn't really want to be there in the first place. He was reluctant from the burning bush to go. He was arguing with God then, like, ah, I don't know about this. I don't know. And after everything they've been through, they're finally kind of reaching that mountaintop, and, and God's giving them the gift of the law, and then they kind of ruin it. And now God is departing from them, and Moses is probably wondering, well, well what am I going to do? I'm not, you're going to stick me out here with all these people, and, and you're not going to be with us? I, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to lead us. And so he marches right back up the mountain. 
at Mount Sinai where he was talking to God before. And he starts to have what I think is an argument. And he gets a little pushy. He gets a little bossy with God. And we don't always read the text that way. I think because we're a little afraid to, to read into it like that. And we, we want to be kind and nice to God. But Moses says to God, you've said all these things. You said, yes, I've found favor in your sight. And you say, yes, I know you by name. And you say all these things, but now you're going to leave God? No. No. You can't do that to us. He wants what the people wanted just a few days ago when they cast that golden calf. He wants assurance for this eternal insecurity that's kind of roiling inside of him. He wants to know that God is going to be there. He wants to know that his steps are going to be led. He wants to know that they're going to get to the promised land. He wants to know that he's not being abandoned and he's not leaving that mountain until he gets it. And so when he says, you know, he, he's saying all this to God, God actually reassures him and says, okay, okay, I get it, Moses. I'll be with you. I'll do what you have asked. I'll give you the thing that you are requesting. And it's not good enough for Moses. Maybe because the word's already been spoken that God said he was going to leave. Maybe because Moses has seen how these people are and he knows it's, it's not a great situation. And so he pushes God again and, and says, no, I, I want to know, I want to know. And God says, okay, <laughs> I'm going to give you what you want. And Moses says, no, this is how I'm going to know that you're telling me the truth, God. Show me your face. Show me your face. Which is to say, in Moses' day, do the thing that we all know would kill me looking at the face of God. Do the thing that we all know would kill me, but don't let it kill me, God. And if you do that, I'll believe you. And I'll go down this mountain, and I'll lead your people, and it'll all be well. He says to God, take my life, but don't take my life. Perform a miracle for me, God. And then I'll be faithful. And God listens to this, you know. God hears it. God doesn't get mad and angry. God doesn't call him unfaithful. God doesn't, God says, okay, Moses, calm down a little bit. I'll tell you what. There's a little cleft in the rock over here. There's a little cave in the stone. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to put you over there and I'm going to cover it with my hand. And then I'll pass by and you can see my backside. But no one can see my face anyway. And to bring back that song, I'm, I'm going to forget who sang it. Um, God is almost saying to Moses, you know, listen, man, you're not always going to get what you want. But if you try sometimes... You might just find you get what you need. And God does this. God puts Moses in that cleft of the rock and covers it with God's hand and then passes by so that God's backside shows. And actually, after this event, Moses is glowing. 
In fact, his, his face is shining so bright that he comes down the mountain. He's got two new stone tablets that God has given him, and his, his face is glowing so bright from seeing the back side of God that the people are afraid of him because he's so bright. And they're so terrified, they look at him, they say, hey, <laughs> one, don't get too close. Two, can you put a veil over your face because this is too much for us. And the people are reconciled to Moses and they're reconciled to God and the whole community is sort of brought back together and they continue their journey. You know, I eventually grew out of uh, wetting the bed. Or maybe you'd say God finally answered my prayers. However you want to frame it, it stopped. But along with that, you know, I kind of grew out of my dialogue with God in a way. My prayers started to change. I stopped praying for the thing that I absolutely wanted, the thing that I knew I needed, the thing that I wanted with all of my heart and my soul, and I started praying for other things that I thought I needed to pray for. God, help me get good grades. God, help me find a job. God, help me, you know, and these are okay things to pray for, but I've, I've always wondered, you know, maybe I should have just continued to ask for the thing that I needed. I thought it was childish to bargain with God. I thought it was childish to demand of God the things that I wanted. Or maybe I thought it was sinful, too. I thought these were not the ways that mature people pray. These were childish things, and they need to be put away. And maybe you have, too. Maybe you stop praying that way. Maybe you stop asking for the things you know that you really, really want. And maybe you stop because... Well, God never answered those prayers. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. I'm tired of praying like that if I'm not going to get what I want. And, and you know, I just, I, I just need to be done. Maybe you're a little burnt out on praying like that. But, you know, I think it's important that we continue to ask God for exactly what we need and trust that God is big enough to hear it. You know, there was a time in my life when I was going through uh, some, a really rough patch with my parents, and I'm, I'm told that a, a lot of kids do this. You know, you kind of, you grow up, you have some friction with your parents, you kind of reject their ways, you reject their teaching. It's all part of this process, but I was, I was going through a really rough time. I was really angry at them. I'm not really ready to share what I was angry with them about, but I was angry, and we weren't talking, and we weren't visiting, and there was so much drama in my life. And so I started seeing a counselor, and I saw this counselor for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I kind of kept saying the same thing to her. You know, I'm angry at Adam about this, and they did this, and they did that, and blah, blah, blah. And she would always ask me, have you talked to him about it? Have you talked to him about it? Did you say it to him? And I would say, no, no, I don't, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to upset them. I don't want more drama. We've already got enough of that. I don't want to stir the pot. And probably after about like 12 weeks of me doing this, she finally like stopped the session. I think she was a little annoyed with me, you know, and she said, look, Garrett, if you aren't willing to share your anger and your frustration and some of this pain with your parents, and if you're not willing to say it the way you're saying it to me, 
you're never going to have the connection you want with them. You're never going to have the relationship you want with them. You're never going to have the opportunity to heal because you're always hiding a part of yourself. You're always denying an authentic part of your own experience to protect them. And in your effort to protect them, you're hurting the whole family. And after that session, I called them, and I let them hear my anger, and I let them hear my pain. And there were tears, there was shouting, there was arguing, there was a whole lot of drama for about two hours. <laughs> but you know, they heard me. And in turn, I heard them. And we were able to have the honest conversation that we really needed to have all those years. And no one left offended. In fact, we hugged it out. And we're closer than we have ever been. And I don't say that to make myself the hero of that story. I say it to say when we're willing to name what we want, to name our experience, to name our feelings, to say what we need to say, we open ourselves up to deeper connections, whether it's with God or whether it's with the people that we do life with. I think we have to be willing to pray for the things that we really want. And if that means you've got to bargain with God, go ahead and bargain with God. God is big enough to bargain with you. And that doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. But it does mean that you're going to have a deeper connection with God. It does mean that you're going to draw closer to God because you're actually talking. You're actually praying. You're actually showing up as your whole self and saying to God, this is who I am and this is what I need. Do you have anything for me? I wonder if we'd be willing to do that this week, next week, even if you just did it one time. I wonder what this church would look like if we together prayed what we actually wanted from God. God, we need some people in these pews. God, we need some people to come figure out how we can serve downtown Detroit. God, we need some volunteers. God, we need some answers to some of these problems we're facing in the community. God, this is what we need. I wonder what would happen. Jesus said in the New Testament, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be open. And friends, I just want to say we got to knock. We got to ask. We got to pray. I wonder what your life would look like if you began that this week. Asking God for exactly what you wish for, what you hope. Let's pray. Good and loving God, and thank you for today. And God, thank you for being big enough to handle our prayers. Lord, I pray that as we go, we would open up our connection to you, that we would pray with boldness and authenticity and with our whole self, God. In Jesus' name, amen.